The Witness. The cliffs of Pictured Rock stand 200 feet tall over Lake Superior on the north coast of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. And there they stood, man and woman, silhouetted atop the cliff against the summer sky, burning orange and pink at the day's close. And there they stand in my memory, forever dressed for the hike and touting backpacks that seem to weigh more than they do. And then it is only he, a lone figure upon the precipice. Two snapshots burn photochemically into my gray matter, and nothing in between. Two frames of a film. Cycle them fast enough and you have a motion picture. Your brain supplies the movement, the missing information. You make up the story. Two snapshots and nothing in between. Nothing where everything ought to be. A yawning chasm in the space of a single second. No more than two, into which I am tumbling still, and may never stop tumbling. As a boy, I used to lie in bed at night and whisper to God and ask to go to heaven, to sit on clouds with my grandparents. As a young man, I imagined I would see my life at the moment of my death, all of it from all angles spread out before me in four dimensions, and I'd be able to find a moment, any moment, and live in it again for as long as I wanted. And when it was all over, the illusions would melt away, the separateness, the isolation, and the fear would go with it. I would rejoin the whole of humanity, of the universe, all interconnected, all energy, and see life for what it is. Now, all I hope for is relief. For God or St. Peter to pull me aside at the end and show me what happened. Just once. Once and for all. Just for me. An objective record of what really happened in the time it took me to blink. To glance at a squirrel darting through the dead leaves just off the trail. In the half moment in which I was not occupying the front of my own mind. I was there. I saw them. I saw it. It was simply not recorded. These are the things I have to tell myself. This is what my therapist says, even. Either it's there or it's not, she'll say. And you've looked, have you not? Of course I've looked. She knows I've looked. Even tried to help me once or twice at my persistent prodding. Maybe just to prove a point or shut me up. So I say, oh, I've looked all right. 
Well then, she says, as if the conclusion is self-evident. I can't tell if it is or isn't. The words themselves barely hold any meaning at this point. The letters come apart at the edges, threatening to dissolve like iron filings beneath a magnet. All that's left to you is to make a choice. You can choose to have a life for yourself when you leave this office and every day after that. If it has to be one or the other, it's in there or it isn't, well, you've done your diligence and then some. So if you can never know with certainty, then might it as well be the option that lets you live with yourself? It was statements like these which concerned me. How could I trust any answer that made me feel better about myself coming from a person I was paying to make me feel better about myself? But I have looked alright. Have I? I've looked for the police, for the detectives. I've looked for the police psychologist and the police psychic. I've looked for journalists who call while I'm eating dinner, and for authors and podcasters, for the park rangers and the bartender at the place across from the station where they took me for food, and I drank five beers and picked at the brown meat spilled steaming on my plate from the slit yeast gut of the pasty and said, is something wrong with this meat? And he took a piece on a fork and chewed it and said, Seems fine to me. I said, I can't taste a goddamn thing.